Hey, Brian here with the weekly teaching podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock and would love to have you anytime you'd like to gather with us. You can learn a little bit more about us, midcityvineyard.org, on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. So over the last couple of weeks, we uh, have been in a series that we entitled Breathing Underwater. And the idea behind this series, we've actually tied it to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and how we actually might learn and grow and mature in our spirituality. Ultimately, the goal being that when the waters of life begin to close in on us at times when we feel like we may even be drowning, what does it look like to have a mature spirituality in which we are able to navigate the obstacles and the things that come our way. This week, we entitled this, Desiring the Divine. So let's head on over to the podcast. As I've been thinking this week, I was trying to uh, come up with a couple of times in my own personal life where I have felt most alive. And for me, I was I even thought, what is that feeling exactly of like what it how would I describe that feeling of being most alive and I would have to say that the feeling of being most alive for me was those moments where everything seemed okay where everything seemed right even in the middle or in the midst of everything not being right so, for instance, I, and I have some very vivid memories, but I remember on our honeymoon sitting on the balcony. Of, we took a cruise for our honeymoon, a, a Caribbean cruise, and sitting on the balcony in the morning, looking out over the sea and having room service delivered to our room and eating my eggs benedict right there on the balcony, looking out over uh, the sea and just feeling in that moment, being completely 100% fully present in that moment and thinking, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like I, I am only enjoying what's happening right now. I had this similar experience when I was, and this wasn't long ago, but I went to see a buddy of mine who lives on the North Shore. Uh, he has this uh, spectacular backyard and we were sitting on the back porch, his back porch, and we were smoking cigars together. And I just, uh, the conversation, the cigar, the, the, the interaction with one another and with creation and everything, there was just this moment where it was like, wow, this is right. Like, this is, this is good. This is beautiful. This is, this is right. I, could, I, could, I, I love this moment. Uh, recently, walking through the neighborhood with Christy as, as we uh, were just out and about and we, we took a walk together and there was a moment and things, it was kind of funny because things were not all peachy. Uh, they, they were okay between us, but things just in life. I mean, the things we're dialoguing about and the, the stress that we have. And yet in that moment, there was something that just connected at a, at a bigger, greater level. So what, what might it be? Think about a time in your life and you don't need to share it. Um, because it might be super personal, but what, what is that for you? When, when you just simply felt alive. That time when all things around you, the world made sense, and nothing could be more right, maybe. 
It was the time when you thought to yourself, oh, I could just live right here. Like, I could just stay here in this time, in this space, in this place. Now, as you think about that, and I hopefully you have more than one time, but what was it? And this is ultimately where we're going with this tonight. What was it that enabled you to live and experience that moment? I would suggest that what, would, what enabled you to live and experience that moment were really two things. Number one, God was present, whether you realize that or not. But maybe more importantly, you were actually present. It's a funny prayer, actually. Lord, we invite your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. We say those prayers, and, and there's, there's a long tradition and rich history in the church of praying those prayers. But really, and, and you might have heard me pray this sometimes, I think more often we should pray prayers like, Lord, help me be present. Because the Spirit of God is always present. But it's those moments where you are fully present, fully present, where it seems like the anxiety and the worry just melts away. There's a connection there. And this is, this is actually, this is incredibly spiritual. It's very biblical, and it's also scientifically proven. But there's, this, there's a connection between your mind, between your heart, between your body, your thoughts, your feelings, and, and, and your physical presence. When, when these things are, are connecting together that allows you to be more present, that's when you experience those types of moments. And then what happens, and we, we are familiar with this, it leaves. And it's usually followed, or, or it, it leaving is kind of like, okay, well, it's time to get back to reality, right? Or back to the grind, or get your head out of the clouds, or whatever. You get the point. But that's, that's usually the deal. I think that happens to us on vacation all the time. Like for, for that brief moment, for those three days, or those five days, or those seven days, or if you're a 14-day lucky vacation kind of person, you're like, ah. Oh. I could finally breathe. Time to get back to it. Back to reality. And if you ever get to take one of those 14-day vacations, do it. It's good for the soul. Worry, stress. What happens is these things take up residence in your mind. They take up residence in your heart. And they take up residence in your body. But listen to what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians once again. He says, listen, there was a time where things were so bad that we did not think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent down to death row. We were on death's door and everything was over for us. And it was at that time that we turned it over to God. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of this particular thing, we were forced to trust God totally. The second step in Alcoholics Anonymous, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now think about that. The step is not 
we believed that a power greater than us. We suddenly believed that a greater a power greater than us, or now we believe that a greater power a greater power than us. No, it says we came to believe. What this indicates, and I think Bill W. was was right on track when he when he began pinning this. I think it's straight from the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I think all twelve steps are. But we came to believe. It takes into account the journey of faith that a person is on. When you read the when you read the big book in AA, it, there's there's a great uh, there's a lot of talk about um, atheists and uh, agnostics coming and and how it would seem like such an incredible turnoff, you know. But I don't even believe in in God, and yet the second step, the step that if you don't take this step, it hinders you from being able to process and move through the rest of the steps. Now, in this context, it, it, there's a very good chance that in a room like this, most of us, if not all of us, are Christians. And so we're like, oh, I've already come to believe in a, in a power greater than myself. Okay. But then we're going we're gonna to trace this back and see, well, how does that belief translate into what we're doing in our life? Because journey, the faith journey is just that. It's a journey. It's a walk of trust. It's a gradual movement. We've been talking about this for weeks, but if you in five years are not further along in how kind you are, how merciful you are, how generous you are, how grateful you are, how much less you hold grudges, how much more quickly you are to forgive, if you're not further along in those things in five years than you are today, then I would suggest to you that somewhere along the way you got stuck because this is what the forward movement looks like. Because we, we, we're always moving towards mercy. We're always moving towards being more generous and, and, and more grateful and more gracious and more forgiving. But ultimately it comes when we surrender to faith. So what does that mean? Well, here are a couple of things for you. For starters, we come to a place of recognizing that in some way, shape, or form, we have all been hurt. In some way, shape, or form, we have all been ignored at some point in our life. We've all been betrayed. We've all been crushed. We've all had our hearts broken. We've all been cheated at some point. We've all been lied to. We've, we've been left out. We've been something. And if we all haven't, at least all of us have experienced some of these things. And the thing about it is, is that when you've been hurt, when you've been stabbed in the back, when you've been lied to, when you've been betrayed, when you've been whatever these things are, these things do absolutely leave marks. Now, a lot of people like to think they don't leave marks, but it, it all leaves marks. And, and the thing is, there's no way to avoid it. Um, a lot of people put money away for their kids to go to college one day. We, we put money away for our kids to go to therapy because we're just convinced, you know? Like, you're not, like, I mean, I've spent ample time with a therapist, so I'm like, you know, and, and I, I, I had great parents, but I've spent ample time with a therapist trying to, you know, figure out because, like, there's just stuff. So many people want to ignore the stuff or pretend like the stuff didn't happen or the stuff doesn't affect or impact. But here's the thing. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, need and, 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 and could benefit from experiencing the healing of the divine. 
where the divine comes in and begins to heal. So here's how it might look. Do you realize? Because this is where it's important. If you live under the oppression of never having enough money, or if you live under the weight of never being good enough at work, or if you live under the weight of not being good enough for someone to love you, or if you live under the weight of, of, of um, always be wanting to be so liked by everybody, what you're doing is you're actually operating out of hurt. Because positive thinking doesn't overcome, help you overcome these things, and nine times out of ten, there is the issue, but then there is the issue underneath the issue. And we've all, we've all experienced and we've all seen the pictures of, of the icebergs here. And so the iceberg above the water is, I live under this ridiculous weight of never having enough money. And so we're like, well, that must be the issue. But that, more than likely, is not the issue. There's something underneath that. I live under the weight of not being liked or not doing well enough at work or never living up to. And so we see the top of the iceberg, the part that we can see above the water, and we think that's the thing. But more than likely, nine times out of ten, that's not the thing. But very few humans do the hard work of trying to figure out what is the thing. What is the thing? Or what are the things? Because it's not until we recognize and begin to dig around and see what the things are that we can actually experience healing. And when you begin to experience healing of the things, it begins to manifest itself outwardly. Which is why I've mentioned this about alcoholics many times as I've spoken to folks. It's like the outward expression of drinking oneself, silly, is something that's being driven by something much deeper on the inside. And so, when an alcoholic begins to go to meetings and when they begin to, to press in and they start to actually work the steps, what starts to happen is the stuff on the inside starts to get worked out and it manifests itself moving towards less drinking. Now, that doesn't mean that it just all of a sudden becomes easy because it doesn't. But once you start to experience some healing and, and, and navigating through some of that stuff, it begins to impact all the parts of one's life. So we're in need of healing. Because somewhere along the way, something got lodged in our soul, our heart, our mind, our brain, our body. And it either leads us down a path of, I can do this. I can do this. I'm the one. I can, I can make this happen. Or we actually come to believe that a power higher than ourselves can restore us to sanity and can restore our humanity and can bring healing and wholeness to our lives. The question is, will we surrender to it? That is, that is the question. I think that's probably the question throughout this entire series. It's an ongoing movement of, will I surrender? Will I keep turning stuff over to God? When it comes to this healing, will I, will I surrender to God? Now, three places. Richard Rohr, uh, Father Rohr, who is a Franciscan priest uh, who I greatly admire and, and have learned so much from. He, he says that there are three places that a person really needs to begin to experience healing. The funny thing about Rohr is that uh, these three places, this, is all, this all comes from science. Um, and I, I think it's beautiful how science and spirituality and faith have just tied in so amazingly here because science has proven 
these things. But there, there are three areas where, where we might look to become open in these spaces of healing. The first one is our head, the second one is our heart, and the third one is our body. And when the head and the heart and the body are, are coming into this place of healing and, and connection, this is what you've experienced in those moments, moments when you felt fully alive. Because for a moment, your head and the anxiety and the stress that you carry, your heart and where you carry your emotions and your feelings and your body, there was a, there was a connection, there was a relaxation, there was a moment in time where what happened yesterday didn't matter and what's going to happen tomorrow doesn't matter and you're just able to be here. And then you checked your email and work emailed and it hit the fan and it was over with. Oh, it was so good for a minute. This is the work of mature spirituality and it takes surgery. It takes major surgery in one's life. So here's how it would work. To be present to something is to allow, or to someone, is to allow the moment, the person, the idea, or the situation to actually change you. Think about this for a minute. The truth is that everything that you do in your life has the potential to impact your soul, to impact your thoughts, to impact your heart, to change you. Every conversation, every lunch meeting, every, every uh, uh, interaction that you have with your children or with your grandchildren or your coworkers or your employees or your employer or the, your workout uh, person, buddy, friend, partner, whatever. Everything has the ability for the person who is fully present to impact your life, to challenge, to change, to encourage. And we miss 90% of it because we're not present. And we're not present most of the time because of the stuff in our opinionated head and the stuff in our closed off heart and the stuff in our defensive body. But to be present now is to allow the moment to impact us. So here, here, how, how might we do this? And then, and then we'll, we'll share communion together. How do we open up the spaces? What does that even look like for us? Because you've got this opinionated head. Do you have an opinionated head? Anyone else? Just Okay, thank you. I do. Thank you. Because how, how do we not allow ourselves to be driven by our unending opinion? Science and spirituality say the same thing. To keep the mind space open, every human, beings need, every human being needs some form of contemplative or meditative practice. Every human being needs some form and some way of contemplating and meditating or meditating. Because it is through contemplation and meditation that we are able to actually still the mind. The reason we start with uh, breathing exercises in, is because it, it, the way that the human body is wired between the brain and the, the nervous system and the limbic system and all these things, it actually, the take in of oxygen and the slow letting out activates different parts of your brain that allow you to actually rest. When most of the time we don't do that. 
So whether it's moments that you set aside throughout your day, literally five minutes at a time, whether it's a yoga class, whether it's 10 minutes of silence and solitude, whether it's journaling, whatever it is that allows you a moment to meditate and contemplate, it actually scientifically is proven that your brain is now able to create more space to be present because things begin to fade away. Things that seemed so important before you practiced breathing, before you meditated, before you went to yoga, whatever it might be, these things fade away. This has been proven in my life over and over again. So has anybody ever had a uh, challenging email exchange with another human being? Okay, somehow, I'm, I'm learning, but I've gotten myself in this problem time and time again. And what I have learned is that when I am in an email exchange, and especially if they email something and I am ready to just fire it back and let them have it, I have this very strict discipline now where I will not fire back. I, I will not fire back. You send me an email and it lodges itself in you. You accuse me of something, you threaten me, or you belittle me, or whatever it might be. And it lodges itself somewhere in my soul or my heart or my head. or my, I don't know where it lodges itself. It just hurts. And I'm defensive. This happened not long ago. And I decided, you know what, I need to respond to this. But if I, if I type it out right now, like I'm gonna, it's going to be amazing. Like I'm going to end this argument once and for all. And I'm going to show them what's up. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of like, yeah, maybe not. You know, kind of how you get yourself in trouble. So I, I, this, this particular morning, I remember very well, I said, you know what, 20 minutes, 20 minutes of solid meditation and prayer. And I have a prayer book that I use, so I didn't have to like make up my own prayers. I just used my prayer book, and, uh, which had nothing to do about email, because the prayer book was written like 200 years ago. So like the, the prayers in the book have nothing to do about responding to emails. And, and it was just a, incredible, and by the time I was done, all the stuff that I felt like I needed to say to defend myself 20 minutes earlier, it was just kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's all right. I still need to respond, but not the way I was going to. Prayer and meditation, contemplation, creates space in your opinionated head. What about our closed down heart? Because the heart is where we wear so much stuff. And we need healing from past hurts. Whether it was abuse, whether it was neglect, whether it was betrayal, somewhere along the way. One person said it like this, if your heart is still broken because you were assaulted by someone that you loved, you are likely to be preoccupied with not getting hurt again. Therefore, you will not give yourself to relationships. And if you will not give yourself to relationships, do you realize that in that moment, because of that, no matter who you're sitting across the table from at lunch, they're only allowed to go so far because we've not been healed or dealt with the hurt. And I know, I know some of this sounds like psychobabble to some, but let me tell you, hurts that you've been carrying since you were 10 years old, that you've not received healing for, that you've not kind of looked under the surface, or hurts that you received when you were 40 years old, as long as those things are still there, it impacts your soul. It just 
done. So our hearts need to be healed. When we can let others actually influence and change us, then that is a sign that your heart is becoming open. When you can let someone. Some of the greatest movements in my life were from friends who told me really hard truths about myself. Really hard truths. Like the worst truths. The kind of truths where they were like, yeah, you probably don't ever want to talk to me again. I was like, you're right. I don't. But I think you love me. And I'm going to take it in. I'm going to process this. And I'm going to work on this. And those are some of my closest friends today. But you know what most of us do? We run the other way. And when I say most of us, I mean all of us because I still, well, I, I don't try to anymore. But there were so many times where I just ran the other way. And then the last thing would be our bodies. We keep, we wear stuff in our bodies. You ever been to a, a masseuse and they're like, oh, wow, you're like, your, your shoulders. And it's like, uh, what have you been stressed out about? I haven't been stressed out. Oh, yes, you have. Yeah, I guess I have. Because why? We wear stress. We wear sadness. We wear hurt in our bodies. If you, if you want to read more on the science of this, there's an incredible book um, called The Body Keeps the Score. The Body Keeps the Score. Unbelievable. About how the human brain and the human body and the human heart are all interconnected from a scientific way of understanding that in our body. And so, how does it come across when we're, when we're in, a, in, a, in a difficult situation or position? Our bodies become defensive against the things so we can't receive from others. So here's the thing. All of this comes to the place where we actually come to the place of understanding and realizing that there is a power higher than ourselves that can actually restore us to wholeness, to sanity, our humanity. Mature spirituality is the ongoing liberation of the head, of the heart, of the body. And it's living towards and it's living into and knowing a knowing of the divine. And it's not just a mental assent. Oh yeah, I believe in that. I, I don't know, there's 40 of us in here. We all probably believe in a higher power. But it's one thing to say, sure, I believe in that, and to actually begin to surrender to the divine that says, I need you. Because what's broken in here doesn't seem to be getting fixed on my own very well. I need you. So, The skills that we learn, we learn by letting life come at us. Letting life come at us. What does it look like in your life to let life come at you? What does it look like to let your life come at you? Think about it. Control is an illusion, and yet we so strive to always remain in control. So that when life starts to come at us, we put up the wall. We run the other way. But life's going to find you. 
The skills are learned by letting life come at us on its own terms, not resisting it, not resisting the mystery that is everywhere at all times. Paula Darcy, a, a, a spiritual director, said it like this. God comes to us disguised as our own life. There it is. You want to experience God in this? Then press in to this, whatever this is. St. Paul, last verse says, May the God of peace make you whole and holy. May you be kept safe in body, heart, and mind, and thus ready for the presence of God. First Thessalonians, may the God of peace make you whole and holy. May you be kept safe in body, heart, and mind, and thus ready for the presence of God. So tonight we're going to share communion together, and we're going to pray, and then we will go eat dinner somewhere together. But here's what I want to invite you to do as we, as I, I pick the guitar up and as we're going to share communion together. Part of this is awareness. God, okay. Heart, mind, head, mind, no. Head, heart, body. What is it? Is there something? Is there something that you want to make me aware of? Highlight in my life? If, if something's not just kind of coming up at you. And, and if nothing then it, it, this is the, the invitation here is a forward movement towards more surrender to God. This is, this is how we continue to grow in maturity. Whatever your, your fears are, whatever you're oppressed by, not enough money, fear of not having enough money, fear of losing control. The best thing that could ever happen is that you would lose control. Maybe you could just ask God to speed up the process. What is it for you? What are these things that need to be surrendered to the divine? So. We-